Welcome to Paddling the Blue. With each episode, we talk with guests from the Great Lakes and around the globe who are doing cool things related to sea kayaking. I'm your host, my name is John Chase, and let's get started Paddling the Blue. Welcome to today's episode of Paddling the Blue. Eric Janssen is an adventurer, author, expedition leader, and most importantly, a father. He's joining us today from his home in Denmark, and Eric has many amazing trips under his belt. Today we're going to talk about a few with his daughter that have really captivated my attention. Thank you to listener Henning de Haas for referring Eric. I love getting listener suggestions, so if you've ever got an idea for a future guest, please reach out to me at john at paddlingtheblue.com, and we'll work on getting that person on the show. Enjoy today's episode with Eric. Hello, Eric. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Yes. Well, tell us a little bit about you, Eric. Yeah, of course, it's a, a, a big question, but... Uh, if I tell people who I am, I'm a, a professional adventurer. In that way, I live of making funny expeditions and go speak about it. And before my adventure life, I have a background in the military, mostly in the special forces. I've been in the, in the start of Royal Guard, and, and when I joined the special forces, we have a special unit in Denmark who's very unique because it's a sled stalks unit in Greenland where you sign up for two years and two months and you're going dog sledding in a very, very remote area. I do my turn there and after that I was in the, the Army Special Forces for five and a half years. The last 13 years I've been an adventurer and travel around the world. Well, tell us about some of, those, uh, some of your favorite adventures. That's a tricky uh, question <laughs> because I, I love adventuring. I love the small trips to the big trips. And my motto is actually the adventure starts in your backyard because I try to do a lot of small adventures in my small country. But my biggest adventures is uh, a lot of uh, traveling Greenland, like ice cap crossing. I guided some trips over there, but I also returned in kayak and with kites and with dog sleds again traveling across Alaska on foot and in a pack raft. I've been paddling kayak around Denmark and the Scandinavian countries. I paddled in, in, in one trip. I took Norway, Sweden and Finland in kayak, 6,443 kilometers. I've been paddling all the entire Yukon River with my girlfriend also in a, in a double kayak. And uh, I have a lot of trips with my daughter. I have four expedition with 45 days with my daughter from she was three six nine and 12 years old father and daughter in the wilderness for 45 days those four trips have absolutely captivated my attention so tell us about those trips the trip starts actually when my daughter getting born because i i'm one of the men who, who probably have a difficult to be a father because i actually don't want kids and when i got my daughter of course, I love my daughter, but I couldn't see the meaning of sitting and playing because when I was sitting and playing with her, she loved me. But as soon as something was wrong, she turns to her mother again and again. And I was just thinking what I'm doing. And I couldn't see myself as a father. So one day I put her up in the, in the small wagon, the, the baby yogger, <laughs> and I go to the nature and we're going to, to make a fire on a fire camp and we went to the forest and I could see I relaxed. When I was in the nature, I could be a father because I'm doing my passion. And I'm a guy who thinking if, if a little thing is good, 
a lot of things is very good. So uh, we started doing like uh, one week, two week trips with her mother and, and I think I needed more. So when she turns three years, I suggested that I took my daughter 45 days out in the, the wilderness when she was three and a half because I've spoken with a lot of people who have traveled with their kids and they all say, just go, just go, it will be fantastic. And actually, um, my daughter's mother is uh, a very nice woman because she says, just go. But she, she has her thoughts because I actually never have my daughter alone on a trip before. So the first time I traveled out for 45 days was with a canoe, 45 days of food, my daughter on three and a half years and a dog. And we just traveled along in, in the northern part of Finland. That was the first trip with your daughter, or you had other smaller trips prior to that? We have a lot of trips okay. uh, on weeks and two weeks, but it was always with her mother. So it was actually the first time I was uh, alone with her. And it turned out to be very easy because I was doing a stuff I was very good at. But the fantastic thing with it was when I found my father role. And I also found some common history with my daughter. So we have our own histories, without her mother, without any others. So it was so fantastic to see my little daughter just say, it's okay, we are on a trip. I don't miss my mom. I don't miss my, my, my friends or anything. She, she was just with me and in the nature and she loved it. And actually in, in the first trip, on the 45 days, she never called on her, her mother. If we getting, uh, she was sad or angry or anything, she was just sad and angry. She never called her mother, and it was so fantastic to see. So what started the idea for those trips? I mean, you, you go on smaller uh, weekend trips and a week-long trip, and then you decide, let's just go big and go 45 days. It was because I could see that I relaxed on trip with her. I spoke with some other uh, adventurers who have traveled with their kids for many years ago, and they all said that give them some special bond to the, to the kids. And I just want to have this special bond. And I know I cannot be a, a perfect father because I'm traveling a lot and I'm gone for months sometimes. And, and I just thought, if I show her my world, if I show her what I really, really love to be out in the nature for a long time and and meet with wild animals. If I can show her that, we can get a common passion. And that was the, the idea of starting the trips. So you've got four. So you've done Finland at age three and a half, Sweden at six and a half, and then Denmark at, ni- at age nine and a half, and Greenland uh, most recently at age 12 and a half with her. Yes. And the first trip was in the canoe because now we're talking about kayaking in podcasts. But I, I have been a lot of kayaking, but I have a lot of people told me that try canoeing because you can use a lot of the technique over in, in canoeing. And also some of the, the strokes in, in canoeing is very, very good to take on your kayaking. And because we are going to the northern part of Finland and I have to bring a lot of food because... When I bring a little girl, she, she should have everything. I, I should not be in lack of food or taking any chances. So, so a canoe I could have for 45 days because I, I have 300 kilos of gear and food when we travel out. And, and the canoeing was perfect for, for that because also when you have a three and a half year old daughter, 
she can't walk so much. So the canoeing was a perfect base to travel down the river and the lakes and enjoying the trip and stop to play and have a break and paddle to to a nice campground. And then we can walk some small trips around. So the first two trips was canoeing because it's it's a perfect base when you travel with kids. Yeah, we, my wife and I have always joked uh, when our kids were small that the amount of things that you take on a trip is opposite the size of the of the child. So the bigger they get, the less stuff you end up taking. The smaller ones, uh, you take more stuff because they just need all that stuff. Yes, exactly. Because uh, if if she get uh, wet or something, I I should manage everything because she have not volunteer in a, in a small age and. Uh, yeah, and a lot of food because my daughter, I will, I don't know what she likes for 45 days. Maybe one day she's not happy with the, the food or something. So I have to bring a lot of different kind of food. So for that particular trip, uh, at age three and a half in a canoe with a, with a dog as well, uh, what kind of distance did you do? We do a, a, about 400 to 500 kilometers. I can't exactly remember because... I want to go to through different areas. So we started downstream in a river for the first about 100 k's. And then we went out to some bigger lakes. And actually from there, we travel upstreams for some weeks because I, I want to go to these very remote areas um, because I, I really love not meeting any people out there. So actually, I, I use a lot of time to, to drag the canoe upstreams or, or, or carrying it around obstacles and, and to the next leg. And then we travel down from the northern part of Finland to Norway. So actually, I, I'm more on, on time. So, so a, a normal day, I try to paddle maximum five hours, four to five hours, because when she, she had to have some fun in, in land. In, in that way, I, I never planned where we have the next camp. I just get up in the morning, we get the canoe, and we take the four to five hours and see how long distance we are, we are traveling. Well, it may not sound like a lot, but that's a pretty long time to be traveling with a, with a child in a boat. <laughs> yes, and I, <laughs> I, I have to learn a lot of place with her because she was sitting in the front of a canoe. In the start, I, I have planned that that she and the dog should sit together in the middle of a canoe. But I found out that it was not a good idea because uh, they couldn't uh, agree for a long uh, time. So the dog was placed behind me and the, the daughter in the front. And, and of course she could play and um, she loves to, not to paddle in the first uh, trip. She, she wants to play with water and throw up the security rope and, and pull it in again and <laughs> and after uh, sometimes she, she wanted me to sing songs and, and I thought I bring this small books with a lot of uh, children's songs and I thought I okay so I sing uh, some songs but I couldn't read it and paddle at the same time so actually it ended up with I'm making two songs myself <laughs> one song's called the happy songs and um, the happy songs was when I, when I what do you say it um, Khan was, my, my daughter was the hero. She was so good at everything. And then I have a bad songs where I sung about how lazy she was and <laughs> uh, how hard it was and everything. But actually she wanted the bad song mostly. <laughs> and then we lie, uh, and side, side, what do you call it? Uh, hidden, hide and, hide and seek. Hidden seek, hide and I seek, think. yep. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, when she sat in the front, she, she sat down so I couldn't see her. And she, she made some small sound and I should say, Khan, is it a elk? No. Is it a dog? No. And uh, is it a princess? Yes. And she jumped up. <laughs> so all the day, I, I have to, to make some some place with her. And it, it was actually very hard to do uh, for, <laughs> for a long time. Of course, sometimes she, she just sat along and looked and only a few times she fell asleep. But uh, normally we could talk about anything. And, and in the end of the trip, I didn't know what to talk about. So actually, in many of the trips, I, I have told her my life stories. I just started as uh, when I was a kid. And because when I talked, she was, okay, it was nice to hear about uh, almost everything. So I just talk about my life uh, most of the time. So we transitioned from the uh, from Finland at age three and a half to Sweden. Uh, so what was different on that trip? Uh, not much. In, in, uh, I, I found out that the, the canoeing was very good, but actually this time she could walk some more. So we started going to the northern part of Sweden. I hide the canoe outside in, in the wilderness and we throw uh, fur on and we started walking for the first eight days. In, uh, in the mountains and after eight days we we was coming to the canoeing and it, this time we're still paddling like these four to five hours but we have some more walks so very often when we was in the camp we, we make f- uh, photo suffice and, and 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 that means we're going out to 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 find the animals we find the tracks we talked about what we see so so my daughter was more easy to talk about uh, to talk with and the river was more hard paddling. It was more um, downstream water, so we actually had to carry around some of them. So I could paddle more difficult rivers, but it was almost the same. It was the same very, very nice experience and, and the very nice things to see after she had been on a lot of trips was she was home out in the wilderness. When, when we, we stopped paddling for the day and we put up the tent, and we was ready to, to go in the camp every day. She just go into the tent, putting out the sleeping maps for us both of us. And, and then she packed out her backpack with her small toys and her books and everything. And when she was in the camp, she was home. And, and <laughs> when she could run around and play, and, uh, and it, it was so nice. And, and, and in the middle of the trip, we also stopped and, stopped and made a, a little walk for, for three days. And, and, and when we paddled on again. And then Denmark at age nine and a half, and now you're looking for large animals, and and you had yeah. multiple modes of transportation there, right? Yeah, that's because we always go to wilderness, and Denmark don't have much nature. Denmark is a small country; it's a farming country, and and we don't have much forest and, and anything back left. But but we have actually we have still some nature, and I want to show my daughter of our own country because I have this motto I, I told you in the, in the start with the adventures start in your backyard so I have to show my daughter the backyard and, and when we, we go traveling to see all our big animals bo- uh, mostly living wild but also something some of the animals living in big forest who is uh, fenced in and when we, we traveled with multiple uh, transportation, as you said, we started in a, a pack raft, uh, these small uh, boats. 
in, in a river to see the other. And um, when we walked uh, summer for like eight or ten days, and we have uh, like two and a half weeks on bicycle, and we also have uh, two weeks in, 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 in a double kayak. In, in our, we have a lot of islands, a lot of sea lines, so Denmark is very, very nice for kayaking. So that was, and when we ended walking again, and it was a very nice trip because when my girl is nine and a half, it's, it's much more easy to talk to her, but it was also nice to show her our country. And we was walking for, what is it, six years ago or something, the wolf come back to Denmark. And a lot of people are afraid for the wolves, and um, we have a lot of talk about it. And I want to show her. So we, we went out in, in, in this big forest where I was told the wolf was, and, and we were sitting out an evening very late before the sun coming down, and suddenly out on about 400 meters, the wolf come, and it runs over a, a big open area. And I got my daughter up so she could see it, and, and she ha we have a scope, so I give her a scope and she could see a wolf. And, and it ran over in, in, a, in a distance from 400 meters to about 200 meters and disappeared in, in, out there. And I can remember I asked my daughter, how was it to see the wolf? It was so great. And uh, she was so happy. And I asked, how was it when it was a long distance, I say, but, but we had seen it, seen it in, in television where, where you can see everything and you can follow uh, a wolf for days when you see it in TV and it, it's amazing pictures and everything and then she says it's much better to see it in in real life and when I was I was so happy because when a, a small girl can see the, the important to, to see things in real life and and, and be curious and uh, and discover a world I am I'm, I'm so happy so then you then you move to Greenland and Arsene, yeah. they moved to you go to your Greenland trip, and that was your most recent one. Tell us a little bit about that one and how that was different. It's different in, in, in that way that Greenland is my second home because Greenland is a part of Denmark in, in that way. We have a, a cooperation, so it has been under Denmark for, for many, many years. And, and also, I've been a soldier up there. And I have been returning to Greenland again and again and again on multiple trips. And I also show my daughter it some couple of times. When she was 10, we was up there for two weeks and walking, and she'd been up, picking me up after a 100 days uh, dog trip in the northern part of Greenland. But i never seen the south part of Greenland. And Greenland is a huge, huge island. And, and it's, it's a, a, a quite different from the north to the south, I was told. So I want to go to the south because the south have a lot of nature wise it's still arctic but it's it's a little bit warmer yeah, than the north part there's a lot of whales there's a, uh, still a lot of animals but there's a lot of history because it was in that area where vikings lived for, for many um, years ago about or 900 to 1400 and, and there's and it's our culture that have been up there. So, and you still have a lot of Greenlandic people in the area. So you have both the Vikings who have been there, you have the Inuits who have traveled there, and you have a modern, uh, the modern Greenlandic people in the area. So, so it's an area who is, have a lot of things to see. And also the southern part of Greenland, it's very protected. It's long fjords. 
it's a lot of islands, so paddling, kayaking, where, of course, the weather can change so fast because you have an ice cap so close, but you, you are more protected than, than other places in, in Greenland. And, and you have still not big uh, cities, but you have some small villages and, and cities, so we can shop sometimes and my daughter can, can get some other impressions. So it's a good area for people who want to have a, a big wilderness experience, but still the safety of the civilization is close on, and with history, of course. So tell us about some of the history. I, mean, yeah, I know you visited some ruins and Inuit settlements, so tell yeah. us a little bit about that experience. I love history. I, I love remote places with history. That's why we travel all the Yukon River. That's why I go back again and again to the northeast part of Greenland, because I, I love the place where you can see the history in the landscape still. And in Greenland, things don't go away because it's a slow um, environment because you have a lot of cold. And the Vikings went to Greenland from Denmark, Norway, uh, through Iceland, and they settled there as farmers uh, and, and fishermen. It was actually a rich environment because in, in old times they shoot valors uh, because they thought it was unicorns, the teeth uh, from uh, valors and from um, what you call narwhals, what you call them? Uh, the narwhal? Um, yeah, exactly. But it have uh, the horn. Okay. It's, uh, it, it's a tooth, but it's it's look like a unicorn's um, <laughs> horn, uh, and in that way they have the unicorn horn, the fort, and they have a walrus uh, teeth, uh, elephant bean, what do you call from elephants? What do you call that uh, bone? Tusk. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they need a lot of tusk, uh, and in, in in that way, they um, they could catch the different animals, and they could sell it back, and they get n new supplies of. The way they show where they was rich, they, they built a lot of churches because that was the time that they changed faith to the to Christianity, mm -hmm. and they built a lot of old buildings. And actually, today buildings built between one thousand and, and fourteen hundred when they disappeared, they still stand there. Not big one, but there is a church who stands back without the roof, but. Uh, completely with walls and everything, and, or else you come and you find like half a meter up to a one meter of the walls around. You can find uh, some uh, part of the, the, the farming, some fences in stone, and uh, you can see the settlements around. And many of the settlements, the Inuit used afterwards because the, the Vikings disappeared because it's getting colder again, so they couldn't farm so good. And the pleat, what do you call it, the, the, the disease where people die in the 1400s, the black pleat. Ah, yes, what do you call the, it? the yeah. black plague. Exactly. Yeah. The plague come to Europe and, and suddenly you couldn't, you didn't have people to go to Greenland to shop. You, you do, didn't uh, buy the unicorn horns <laughs> anymore, they thought. <laughs> and of course, there was a lot of free land in Denmark and Green, uh, Denmark and Norway. So a lot of peop young people from Greenland returned because it, it was more easy to be a farmer in, in these countries. And some of the Vikings also go to America uh, for these years. So they, they, they sail away and the Inuits come and, and the Inuits use the same uh, places to live. So 
In a Viking house, you can see the inner house inside sometimes. <laughs> of course, it's, it's fun to, to have a lot of places to stop when you paddle with a, with a girl uh, or a child. Because we could paddle like one hour, we could go in to, to see them, we could find a, a ruin, we could paddle some hours more, and we could, could go in and, and, and walk it around in the area and, and see it. And of course, in, in an area like that, there was, we saw a lot of polar foxes. Because when you come in a kayak, you probably tried it yourself. When you come from, from, a, from a sea to land, many land animals don't see out in the sea because no danger is coming out from there normally. So a lot of times we could go very, very close to the beach and the, the polar foxes cops running around and, and play on the beach. And uh, we have some whales very, very close to also and uh, a lot of eagles and, and, and birds, of course. So it, it was so nice traveling in that because something new happened every day, even it's, it's, uh, the area is very similar in nature all the way. It, it's more easy to, to have my daughter in it. But of course, when we paddle like four or five, five hours in a kayak, she's she getting bored and <laughs> thinks it's hard to paddle and uh, uh, try to. But the, the difference now is that I don't talk so much. Now she told uh, everything about her life because she don't want silence. So uh, I never heard so much about her school and her friends and her sports and everything because she talks every day when we're battling. <laughs> so how have these trips impacted her? It's very difficult to say because a lot of people say to me that, that my daughter must be a, a perfect uh, girl for being in the wilderness and she must love it. And, and actually, I don't think she loves the wilderness uh, more than, than other people, but she's just good to be out there because I forced her out there. But she loves still to go on trips with me because when we go on trips, we have alone time. She has all the focus and, and, and we have some very, very big experience together. And every time we go on, on, on some of our trips, we meet special animals, special people, or histories, place. So she knows when she goes with me on trips, some extraordinary will happen. And of course, we found a, a passion together. So we have a lot of fun, and we can talk about everything. And of course, we also have bad days. And, but I'm, I'm very amazed over how little conflict we have on, on trips like that. It's actually so easy that when I, it, it's hard to believe. Yeah, it's not about the place. It's about the connection that you make on the trip with your daughter. Yeah, and the time together. I'm so happy I, I started it when she was small because now it, it, it's like every three years we make 45 days and, and the other years we have one or two weeks and, and one or two weeks is still amazing. It's special to be together for 45 days because... I say, if you have a, a holiday, many people only have two or three weeks. And, and when you travel for, for two weeks, everything is new every day. Everything is, is exciting. But when you go like 30 days, it's getting the, the new daily life in a good way. Because you have been out there so long that you do things again and again. It's getting new routines. And when you come out in, in 45 days, it, it's so long that you... 
begin to talk about what you miss home and, and what you appreciate and, and what you dream of. It, it's giving a lot of force for her and for me and uh, some good talks. So what have you learned about yourself from traveling in the wilderness with your daughter? I'm learned to be a father, actually. I'm learned to be more more calm and, and, and trust my daughter. And I actually learned that in, in, in the first trip, because on the first trip, when she was three and a half, when I go upstream with, with canoeing, I have to, to carry all the stuff uh, around the obstacles. And sometimes I have to carry it like 800 meters. And, and, and it was five uh, loads I had to carry. So it was nine times forward and backwards. And, and sometimes my daughter don't want to go with me. So actually some of the time, I, if I had to carry 800 meters, I split it in two. So I carry everything 400 meters. And then she sits on the depot and she just sit and play. And in the start, I think, oh, my three and a half years, should I leave her for 20 minutes or half an hour? But I found out when we are in the nature and I t t say to my daughter, hey, you can sit here and play, but we have to agree that you don't go far. You go to that tree, you don't go to the water, you go to the rock, but not any other place. She always do what I say. She understand that out there is, uh, we have to be careful. And, and if you have a camp with water and it, it was fast uh, running water and you say, Khan, uh, this camp, you can't go to water. I never saw her go to water. And that was amazing to see when, when, when we were out in, in the wilderness, she never tested what I say. Because home, of course, uh, children test you <laughs> and sometimes try to, to, to do other things, but never, never out there. So what have you learned about wilderness travel with your daughter that you've now applied to other trips? I think I learned to travel more slowly because a lot of my trips is, and still is, uh, travel from A to B. Uh, it's a big trip. Often I have a hurry because of seasons and, and time. In our trips, we have lots uh, more time in the camp and to have fun and to walk around and take pictures. So I, I learned to relax. I don't do it on my big expedition, but I, I do it on my, all my small trips around the country and uh, in my daily life because I found the value of, of taking time. It's nice that those trips have reinforced that with you. Yes, oh. and, and, and it's, it's amazing to have this. I, I don't necessarily say people have to go to wilderness for a long time, but doing something together that, that the that you are passionate about because children can, can, can feel when you are passionate and when you have some special things together. So what advice do you have for others for traveling with a child? My best advice is, of course, go, go, go. But also don't see what, what other people do. Take it in, in your steps. I have this uh, motto is always take one step at a time. And, and I mean, if you've never been out in the wilderness, First, go out and, and try to, to sleep outside. And then you can try to be in a canoe and then you can try to make food outside. Uh, if you don't have the skills, so take it in the, the level you are. Because there's nothing right and, and wrong. But when you travel with, with a kid, just take some steps backwards and, and take it easy. And actually, as, as I told you, it, it's much easier than, than you think. Because... Uh, Children just love to be with you. 
Yeah, kids are kids are going to be more forgiving of the things that you don't think you're doing well because they're yeah. just enjoying the experience. Yeah, yeah, but they just love whether you have time and, and, and you do stuff together. So what surprised you on these trips? It surprised me that she never called her mother, uh, as I started to say, but she never... She, she could say sometimes that it will be fun to come home to mother, but when that she never was want to go away from me or go home. She could be angry, but she never want to leave. It surprised me how good she also was when, when she had a, a very little of toys. We still bring an iPad because it's more easy to have an iPad than a lot of books, so, and, and she can draw on it and everything. But how much she, she used the nature for playing, uh, going out, take a tree as a horse, taking the, the pot and pans outside and um, take the mud to castles and, and everything and <laughs> throw stones in the water and do flip mills outside and, and, and just playing around. Uh, it, it was so, so nice. Wonderful. So what's next for father and daughter in the wilderness? What's the next 45-day trip? We don't agree about it yet, but uh, I have... Uh, I would love to go to Alaska or Canada again in the remote places there and, and show her some grizzly bears and, 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 and the nature there. But the problem is when uh, the next three years are, are gone, she, she is going uh, between some of the, the, high, uh, the school systems. So we, we have 45 days again, but I am actually not sure we can do it in three years because it, it will be some problem with the schools. But so we must take uh, 30 days or, or what time it is because we have a lot of travel and this summer we're going for 10 days to Norway to walk. Well, hopefully that uh, you can put something together and figure out what that is. So. Yes, of course. And all the other people I've met who have traveled with their kids when they were small, I have some, some older friends who have uh, grown up kids today and they say the most amazing things is when the kids are grow up and they come back and say, hey, shouldn't we not go on a trip again because we miss it. So in addition to those four trips, you've had many incredible experiences as a, as a kayaker, canoeist, pack rafter, pack rafter in dog sleds, cycling, hiking, and, and, and much more. And I know that you've done a couple of around Denmark trips, uh, one just yes. was just recently. So tell us a little bit about those trips. Yeah, the first one was actually because when, when, I, when I started being at adventure and I stopped in the military, I started paddling kayak because it had been a long, long dream for me. And I, I have learned that if I have to learn something very good, it's very good for me to start practicing uh, it, of course, but also teaching it. So I actually start in kayak the same season as I, I start teaching other people paddling kayak because I, I'm, I'm a fast learner. But in that way, I, I'm getting better and better in kayak. The place I teach, the owner come one day and say to me, there never want anyone who have paddled Dan Denmark around in wintertime. And Denmark around, it's not a competition, but it's, it's more like you, you can sign up to paddle Denmark around as a, 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 an event. It's not a, a, a special time, but you, you have to do it under some rules that you, you are independent, you can, you can shop food, but you cannot have a, a boat with you and you cannot have a car in, in land and stuff. And I just thought I, I don't do anything this winter, so I just paddle Denmark around. It's, and I, I, I don't know what happened because I 
chose a year and I just started the trip and it getting the coldest year for 23 years. <laughs> and suddenly all our country was uh, very cold and it was snowing and, and people were stuck in their homes and, and the sea started freezing up. So I ended battling with the ice. I actually two times slept on the ice with my tent because it was getting so thick. And it's not normally in Denmark. It's normally raining and dark. We have snow in two, three days at a time and when it's melt and come again a week after because we have a sea country. But this winter it was getting freezing cold and it was of course very cold. It was a hard struggle to come around. But it was so amazing because our country was so beautiful. And the best part of it all was the, the people. Because when they, they found out, because the media found out there was an idiot in a kayak trying <laughs> to paddle around in, in froze, they started writing about it. And every time I come into a shoreline where ice was gone, people come out with cake to me, a hot chocolate, and invite me in and, and, and cheers on me. So it's getting a, a, a something that people uh, really want to see, uh, manage to, to get around with the, the country. And it's, it's not far, but, but Denmark is a funny country because we have a west coast with, with very hard wind and big waves. And, and, and inside uh, our islands, we, we often have some wind with small waves, but very close waves. So it's, it's hard and, and slow to paddle in. So I was um, I was 49 days, about 1,300 kilometers, <laughs> and uh, but it was amazing trip, and it's it was back in 2009 to 2010 I paddled. So at yeah. one point on that trip, you were sleeping two kilometers offshore in the ice, were you not? Yes, two times I could put up the tents, uh, 2.2 kilometers out of the shoreline, where there was over a half meter of uh, ice. And, and, and that's very uncommon in Denmark. Uh, it's like only this 20 years uh, between. So actually, when I look back on it, when I did it as the first in winter time, it, 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 was, it, it was amazing. It was a, a real winter because it, it was <laughs> such a, a big adventure. And of course, uh, I have a lot of cold fingers and toes <laughs> and uh, a struggle. And, and many people didn't think I could make it because Again, they, they didn't see what I did before because many people they thought I, I will freeze um, because I get wet clothes. And of course, I have a drive suit on, but when I come in the tent in the evening, I have two big uh, multi burners uh, heaters so I could to drive up my clothes inside my tent. And, and, and people who are not used for that, they just thought my, my clothes would, would freeze up every day. But actually, uh, when I was in the tent, it, it, it was nice. So that was 45 days, or sorry, 49 days, you said, uh, yeah. for that trip. And if, if adventure is in your blood and ex exploration is in your blood and you took 45, or sorry, 49 days on that trip, why did you change course on this most recent trip and do a record-breaking attempt? That's actually, and uh, it can seem like... Uh, uh, I'm not normal because <laughs> I, I've seen a lot of people uh, travel around and I love travel for adventures. But I see a lot of people who, who don't have much time. They have work. They take time off to paddle Denmark around. And, and when they start on it, many people saw that the record 
was a, a, about 20 days some years ago when it got 19 and, and 80 days last year. But a lot of people started for the, the trip to do an adventure and suddenly they could see that maybe they could break the record and they changed course. And I mean, there is a lot of different for have an adventure and stop and talking with people and a record that's completely different. Record, that means that you have to paddle a lot every day. You have to, to take the sleep to a minimum. You have to break yourself down because that's a record. It's not an adventure. And I want to show people uh, what, what I mean the difference is between an, an adventure, I have time, or a record-breaking attempt. So, um, so I train for a year. And, and, and uh, I try to wait for, for good weather, and it's hard in Denmark to have uh, some weeks with good weather. So um, I found uh, a period, because I couldn't paddle on good weather in the start, I had to have good weather after a week, because there is some big crossing between some islands. Uh, and I, I did the trip to show again. I, I paddled between 14 and, and, and uh, 20 hours a day between three and, and, and five and a half hours a day. And, and I just paddle and paddle and paddle. And uh, in, in the end of the trip, I got some bad weather. So I have to stop for like 20 hours. Uh, and, and even I have a lot of bad weather in, in the last four days, I come around in, 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 in two weeks. But it was not fun. It was hard work <laughs> and it was uh, no adventure. It was uh, a long hours. Uh, just come the first eight hours and know, ah, you are halfway for the day and you have to battle again. <laughs> but it's also stuff I learn of and, 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 and push myself and push my limits. And of course, showing that if you, if you want that, you don't meet people. You don't have an adventure. So my hope uh, with breaking the record is, of course, people want to go for the record. But now the record is down, but you have to paddle it from the start, you have to go for it. And I hope a lot of people will say, no, I don't want that. I take the adventure and I take time and I, so they can get a lot of, lot of good adventure and meet people and, and have fun with paddle kayaking because kayak is fun. And, and so you can have time to stop, to, to, to see on the seals if they come up and if some people invite you in, you can stop. Uh, and I hope people can see that. After having that record-breaking experience and seeing the difference between the other adventures where you had the opportunity to take time and experience the landscape and the country and, and meet the people, do you see yourself doing any record-breaking attempts in the future, or do you see yourself just sticking with the the true adventure? Yeah, I go for the true adventure. Uh, it This was only because I have the opportunity this year, and I want to show it because I had... Of course, I have a good background for it because I have been pushed so much in my military life on my expedition. But I want to go into the wilderness to be there to make adventures. And of course, I come to make trip that is hard and long and, and tough. But I do it to be in the nature and meet the animals. So what's the next big trip on your personal list? Yeah, the next big trip, hopefully. Uh, I, I'm waiting for application. I have seeked to go into a remote area of North Greenland where I'm going up with my very good friend and his wife and my wife. And we're going on a ski and pulk expedition in the, in the very remote northern part of Greenland. 
So what gear do you rely on? Of course, it's depending. In kayak, I always uh, go for a kayak for the, for the right purpose. So uh, the record attempt, I, I want a fast kayak. But the most important thing for me with a fast kayak is how I sit in it because it's so many hours. The speed is not so different if you take some of the best kayaks for long distance. So I actually just try a lot of kayaks and find the one I, I fit best in. All right. So um, what did you use for your uh, record-breaking trip? I, I use a prototype called Pantera, drawn by Thomas Bjorn from Sweden. And they made it uh, in wood with glass fiber outside. So it was a prototype. It, they will produce it, uh, I think, in a year. With a surf ski button and more vo volume in, in the top. It was nice because it was high and pretty dry, but it's very round. So it, it takes some time to get used to because it's very, what do you call it, living when you're sitting in water. But, very, but it was very nice lively boats. Yeah. But actually, I, to many surprises, I paddle with Greenlandic uh, oars. I have a Greenlandic oar, and I have a very special oar called uh, an Avanac. It's between a Greenlandic oar and uh, a wing paddle. It's a Greenlandic oar with, with the wing paddle's bone shape inside. It's a, a Norwegian guy who made it. These two I change between when I paddle, because when I paddle long distance, I prefer a higher... Uh, what cadence? Uh, what do you call that? Uh, um, cadence. Pedal flow. Been, yeah, your speed and your cadence. Yeah, uh, because uh, the Greenlandic paddle is still a, a big surface because it's a long, narrow in the water. But you can paddle it very low in headwind. Uh, you can paddle a little faster. My my body not getting so tired when I paddle a little bit faster. And uh, and the other Avanac is a, a little more. It's, it's taking the water a little bit harder. So. I, if I want to go faster, it, it's very good, and it's changed the way my body is paddling. So by changing between two different paddles, I'm not getting so tired. And I don't have to um, turn my wrist. I, I like paddle uh, without turning my wrist. I will have to get information from you on that, uh, on that paddle, and we can put it in the, in the show notes so people can learn more about that. It's a, it's a good story also, um, Jan, who have made it. Uh, he just found out it and, and made his own, his own small production in Norway. <laughs> so, Eric, how can listeners reach you if they've got additional questions? They can reach me on my homepage. You need Google Translate uh, as you do because it's uh, in Danish. It calls komud, K-O-M-U-D dot D-K. Or seek on my, my name when I will show up all places, I think. All right. <laughs> YouTube, uh, Facebook, everywhere. Well, I will be certain to put links to your homepage on the show notes for this episode so people can follow that and we'll collect some other links as well that we can include so people can follow up. Yeah, perfect. So, Eric, this has been wonderful talking to you. Great to learn about your father and daughter in the wilderness trips as well as your uh, around Denmark trips. I have one last question for you, and it's a question that we ask all of our guests on the show, and that is who else would you like to hear as a future guest on Paddling the Blue? Yeah, you have a lot of, of good guests already, but... Um I would suggest Nike Conlife from uh, Great Britain in, in, in Wales because I've been there, f it's 10 years ago I, I went to him. He teaches a lot and learns people to be high level in, in kayaking. And I think he will be very interesting because he meets a lot of kayakers and he knows 
what areas people want to be better in and, and, and the level and, and why people paddle kayak. So I, I think it will be interesting because he's teaching so much. Excellent suggestion. I will definitely reach out to Nick and we'll see if we can get him on the show. So again, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today. I wish you the best on your next father and daughter trip, wherever that may be, possibly Alaska, and your next trip in uh, northern Greenland and wherever else your travels may take you. Thank you, and uh, I hope uh, all your listeners uh, also will go for some uh, big adventures. If you want to be a stronger and more efficient paddler, Power to the Paddle is packed with fitness guidance and complete descriptions along with photos of more than 50 exercises to improve your abilities and enjoy your time on the water. The concept and exercises in this book have helped me become a better paddler and they can make a difference for you too. The exercises in the book can help you reduce tension in your shoulders and low back, use the power of your torso to create leverage and use less energy with each stroke, use force generated from your lower body to make your paddling strokes more efficient, have the endurance to handle long days in the boat, drive through the toughest waves or white water, protect your body against common paddling injuries, and while you're at it, you might even lose a few pounds, and who wouldn't mind that? So visit paddlingexercises.com to get the book and companion DVD. Thanks to Eric for joining me today and sharing the story of he and his daughter's trips through the wilderness. More proof that it's not about the place, but about the connections that you make along the way. A father and daughter already share a special bond, and Eric is working on strengthening that bond through wilderness experience. I also appreciate that those trips have taught him to relax and enjoy the time both when he's with his daughter and when he's out on his own. You'll find links in the show notes to Eric's website where you can learn more about the trips that we've discussed as well as many of other of Eric's trips. I've also included links to learn more about the Greenland paddles that he referenced and the boat that he used on his round Denmark journey. I've had requests to interview, quote, regular people. So listen in on our next episode, which will feature regular old me and my friend Randy Bauer as we detail our 10-day trip to Prince William Sound in Alaska. Most of this episode was recorded on location from campsites and even directly from the boats, so I hope you'll join us on our trip. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to bringing you the next episode of Paddling the Blue. Thank you for listening to Paddling the Blue. You can subscribe to Paddling the Blue on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Please take the time to leave us a five-star review on Apple Music. We truly appreciate the support. And you can find the show notes for this episode and other episodes, along with replays of past episodes, contact information, and more at paddlingtheblue.com. Until next time, I hope you get out and paddle the blue.